Drivers for Uber and Lyft went on strike to demand better pay, benefits, and recognition as employees. Regular folks are also making demands of the companies, particularly reparations for every time some random drunk white kid in the gentrified part of town jumps into the back of their car mistakenly thinking it's their Uber. <laughs> Despite their best efforts, right-wing Venezuela coup supporters have been unable to take over the Venezuelan embassy in Washington, D.C. The CIA has become so ineffectual under the Trump administration, they can't even overthrow a Latin American government in its own backyard. <laughs> Trump ran $1.2 billion in losses over 10 years in the 80s, meaning that he actually lost more money than he's lied about being worth. <laughs> CNN ran a positive story about Bernie Sanders' remarkable consistency in positions he's fought for over five decades. In completely unrelated news, those directly responsible for the glowing story have been fired from CNN. <laughs> Amsterdam has passed a resolution to ban petrol and diesel-fueled automobiles by 2030, leading the way to a green, non-renewable free future. But what about the profits of the shareholders? <laughs> Joe Biden has called Donald Trump an aberration and claims that he does not represent the Republican Party. And he makes a great point. If there's one thing Joe Biden knows, it's what it takes to represent the Republican Party. Joe Biden says he, quote, doesn't have time to lay out his health care plan. How much time do you need, old man? We started this election season 16 years ahead of the Iowa caucus. <laughs> Biden's first official campaign fundraiser for 2020 occurred at the home of Comcast CEO David Cohen's. People are unified. Citizens are united for Joe Biden because corporations are people. <laughs> This is Just Calm Down with John Shrek. Hey, what's up? It's Friday evening. I'm in rush hour traffic. I'm driving right now. Uh, not distracted driving. My eyes are on the road, folks. I've got a hand on the steering wheel. I've also got the other hand on the steering wheel if it becomes a legal thing, okay? Got a hands-free mic like a Michael Jackson or... Britney Spears over here, stopping at a stop light right now. I hope the person in front of me doesn't uh, look in their rearview mirror and see me talking into a microphone like a psychopath. This is a phone, all right? Don't judge me. Some of us talking to microphone phones. Uh, it's been a while since I did an episode. I had a big deadline uh, for my day job, and then I was in Indianapolis for Yuck Fest, which was a whole lot of fun. Shout out to Caitlin McPhee, Cam O'Connor, and all of the comics in Indy who made... Yuck Fest, a huge success. Had a had a ton of fun. Um, not just doing, not just the shows that I was on, but just hanging out on Friday night, Saturday morning. Uh, a lot of good vibes. Got to meet a lot of cool people in uh, cities that I've not traveled to yet. So uh, yeah, it was it was a really good time. Buzz Fest was a hit. It was at it was scheduled for eleven in the morning on a Friday. We ended up starting about quarter after twelve. Um, that made it a little bit more accessible for uh, for the working man. You know, most of them get off around noon, 
um, being sarcastic. It was mostly comics, but uh, that that's fine. That show is kind of, I mean, we, we designed the show so that uh, an audience can appreciate it, but I think comics are always going to appreciate it a little bit more, especially some of the inside jokes, some of the uh, inside baseball type stuff. So Yuckfest, big success. If you're uh, in the air, if you're a comic, submit next year. Whole lot of fun. I am sitting in rush hour traffic, but yeah, uh, that, that was two weeks ago. That's not really an excuse for why uh, it's been nearly three weeks since I released one. Um, I got back from that, and it was like I was I bro- you know I broke the habit. I got out of the habit. It's like uh, it's like when you stop when I stop going to the gym. You know, you you skip one day and then you're done for months. When I was in uh, the same weekend as Yuck Fest in Indianapolis. I was getting into town. I got into town early Thursday morning um, because uh, Sam Talent, who I was talking about on the last podcast, he's a very funny comic out of Denver. Uh, dude knows dude knows how to uh, save a buck on the road. He got a $5 flight from Denver into Cincinnati on Allegiant. Uh, so he, uh, he had me pick him up and drive him up to Indy because, yeah, why would you not do that? Um, and then he got a rental car for like $9 a day. So if you need some deals on... Uh, if you need some travel tips on uh, how to how to travel on the cheap, uh, Sam's probably probably got some uh, some hot tips uh, and also a great comic. So go to one of his shows if he's in your town. If you're listening to this, you pr- you probably already know who he is. He's more famous than I am. I don't know why I feel like I gotta talk him up, but you know what? Send good vibes. He sends good vibes my way. I send good vibes out there. But anyways, get into indie, and I'm seeing all of these billboards for, like, assault rifle, assault rifles. I was like, man, indie, I've been here before. Why is there so many gun billboards? It seems crazy. I mean, Ohio loves guns, too, arguably more than Indiana. I don't know. Let's let's not have a competition here. But, and then I noticed on one of the billboards, it said, uh, like, NRA Indie. 2019. It was the big NRA convention, the NRA national meeting, the big lone wolf convention, 2019. Uh Uh-oh, Waze is telling me there's a cop coming up. Maybe I should put the microphone down. Maybe we can, maybe we can uh, get pulled over. We can interview the cop, catch him on. (laughs) It's the last fucking thing I want. I avoid cops at all opportunities. I hope there's not too much background noise. It's pretty. It feels pretty quiet, but whatever. Um, ugh, I'm getting self-conscious now that we're stopping in traffic on the highway. Whatever. What? Some somebody's somebody's gonna call the cops and say, "Hey, this license plate. He's holding up a microphone to his face." People text and drive. I don't. I, I don't text and drive. I mean, I occasionally look at my phone and drive, but I I don't sit there and text like some assholes. I saw somebody scrolling Instagram and driving on the highway. How much FOMO do you have where you are scrolling Instagram while you're driving? Jesus. But anyways, the NRA convention was going. I was staying uh, with my buddy, and he lives in a place downtown. It was raining, uh, so I walked down to the convention center, kind of uh, did a little loop around the area. A lot of men walking around. A lot of white men, cowboy hats, camo hats. Did not see any MAGA hats or pussy hats. I think that's kind of the same thing. <laughs> uh, did not see any MAGA hats, but uh, I didn't. I didn't go inside. I took some. Uh, took some Instagram vids. Was having a little bit of fun with that. I was. Uh, I was debating whether I should try to get in because I saw that y- you got free admission if you are a member of the NRA. And I was like, Do I want to become a member of the NRA? What What is the price that I would pay to go into the NRA convention, basically. Um, I think it was like, it's like 45 or 50 bucks. And I was, I was like, no, I'm not. No, I wouldn't pay that much. If it was like 15 or 20, I would do that. But, uh, you know, 
50 is way too much. And also, I, I didn't even end up getting a chance to do it. If I if I had like a big opening in the weekend, I would have probably done it. But no, I didn't. So I did not. Because um, I was also rationalizing with myself. I was like, you know what? Once a member, always a member. You're a lifetime member when you sign up for the NRA. What better trump card do you have in an argument against somebody arguing for the Second Amendment? Say, hey, listen, as a card-carrying member of the NRA, I'm going to carry that card everywhere I go, too, if I were to sign up. As a card-carrying member of the National Rifle Association, I strongly support the abolition of the Second Amendment. The abolition? The abolishment? I'm a real smart guy. So that was going on. Trump was in town. I didn't hit any of the traffic. Trump and I went on at the same time. Buzzmania on Friday morning was at the same time that Trump was giving his speech. Same city. We are on the same level. Me and Donnie. Uh, he said he said some re- he said some real scary fucked up stuff. And then later that day, he's he's at the NRA AR-15s Make Me Convention. And then later that day or the next day, a guy shoots shoots up a uh, a church or a synagogue or something. We, we live in a real nightmare of a country, folks. And if you're the kind of person that downplays anything that Donald Trump does, you are a maniac and you need to stop because he has gaslit us to the point where it is normal for him to publicly attack people and egg on shooters like just the other day there was someone in a crowd at a at a rally in the panhandle or in Alabama or something and he was talking about what 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 do we do about you know immigrants at the border and someone's like shoot him and he's his response was very much like he was uh, he was vibing with the crowd. He's doing a little bit of a crowd work or something. And he's like, only in the panhandle, only in the panhandle can you get away with saying something like that. And if he wasn't the president, it wouldn't be so horrifying. But he is. So it is. And uh, it it enables a lot of insane people. And the fact that the NRA is inviting that guy and fucking Mike Pence, uh, it's it's horrific. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I was I also uh, I also thought about trying to go I'm, I'm i didn't actually think about doing this i did this for uh for instagram and uh, now i'm gonna do it for the podcast because i'm a real uh i'm a real bitch uh not really brave but i thought it would have been a funny idea to uh try to sign up and get in to the nra convention where i'm wearing my uh, alexandria ocasio cortez t-shirt because that was one of the only ones that i packed for the weekend uh i was like you're not gonna let me in how dare you it's almost like this is some partisan bullshit not actually something that's in favor of the Constitution. You guys aren't constitutional scholars. You're actually just political hacks. This is an outrage and a surprise. And I can't believe this. <laughs> Goddamn snowflakes. So that went on. What else happened? Um, my partner ran the Flying Pig Marathon here in Cincinnati. Uh, her second marathon. Very proud of her. Uh, was following her around to different spots throughout the route to cheer her on and uh, see, make sure she's doing all right, all that fun stuff. And uh, one of the people that was not far from her uh, at points was a little bit ahead a little bit behind uh, was a guy running with a blue lives matter flag can you <laughs> can you imagine hating minorities that much and being that afraid of poor people that you run an entire marathon carrying a white power flag because that's what that flag is and if you're not sure what flag i'm talking about it's it's uh it's the american flag it's just black and white and then it's got one bl- thin blue line, um, and that's basically like black lives don't matter, blue lives matter. Um, so yeah, I mean, congrats on 
finishing a marathon, but also you're a fucking fascist. So uh, that, that shit's infuriating to me. Um, I hope he didn't have anybody cheering for him at the end. We have this fetishization of police in this country, it, and it shouldn't be a surprise. You know, we are the uh, we are a military empire. We sell arms abroad. We are bringers of death and destruction abroad. So the fact that we uh, that we blow our cops isn't a surprise. Um, that being said, very proud of my very proud of my partner. Personal record, she did better than she did last year. Uh, so that was awesome. And, you know, I, I used to do, I still do it when I'm doing longer sets, but, um, you know, I used to do this bit about uh, marathons and how it's bullshit that people just brag about finishing. And uh, it, 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 it is it is facetious. It's really, it's a, it's so such an emotional event. There were several times throughout the day where I found myself just like, hey, it's the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. Holy shit. That's the second time I've seen the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. Oscar Mayer, it's hard to say that. The Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. He's going the other way, 75, 75 North. Track him. There's probably a tracking app like Domino's Pizza Tracker. Um, that's the second time I've seen that in the past like few months, and I'd never seen it in my whole life. What a life we live, folks. And you got to hear it live on the podcast, but after the fact. But you heard me react to it live, going by the old Jim Beam factory. That's pretty insane that, it, that a Jim Beam distillery went out of business. And it was here for, for a long time, and it's just gone. It's been gone for a while, but good God. I mean, when booze isn't safe, you know the economy's fucked. They probably just moved to like a nicer facility in a place that had fucking tax abatement because you know those corporations can't spare a goddamn dime they'll spend millions they'll spend billions on an on a new facility if it means making an extra couple million for their fucking st- stakeholders speaking of stakes did we uh did we bet on the Kentucky Derby I didn't I turned it off right after the race I didn't find out till like six days later that it was contested and that uh maximum security or whatever he didn't win right is that what ha- I actually didn't look into it more people were just talking about it all right did I ramble enough will be at Whiskey Bear Comedy Festival a week from today I'm excited uh five shows in Columbus hope to see some of you out there I know uh, I know some of my Columbus friends are are going to be coming out. It's going to be a big party, and uh, I've just got shows at night, so, uh, you know, looking for things to do during the, during the day. Maybe I'll do, uh, maybe I'll uh, talk to some comics on the festival. We'll, uh, we'll get into some of the nitty-gritty about the serious politics from fucking people who don't have jobs. <laughs> Let's go! This is episode nine of Just Calm Down. It's been a few weeks. I unintentionally took some time off from doing this i have no ability to stick to anything motivation for things that i like let alone things that i don't like uh hard for me to find hard for me to stick to anything and that's been something my whole life i did karate for six months i leveled up in karate and then i was like i think i'm done got the orange belt i'm out of here so the fact that i put out eight episodes on a pretty frequent pretty regular basis a huge feat So let's look at the positive. Uh, I think what I'm just going to start with, I'm just going to go through my Twitter feed because that's clearly stuff that uh, was bothering me a couple weeks ago. And then we'll try to, we'll kind of get to the present day and uh, we'll see what happens. I don't know. Who cares? So I spend a lot of time on Twitter, which is probably not healthy. I realize that I'm ending up in a silo. I'm, they, they tailor everything to what you like. You hit like on a post and then they keep showing you more stuff like that. And then I end up just thinking that everybody is uh, everybody hates the Democratic Party from the left. And that's all there is. I need to just start following some people that I disagree with, even though it annoys me uh, seeing opinions that I disagree with. That's a bad that that's just a bad mentality to have. 
But the longer that I'm on there, I'm realizing that you def you need to read beyond a tweet. <laughs> that sounds fucking stupid. That sounds so no duh. But it's easy to see things on on its face level and be outraged and then but then when you actually look into it you're like oh that this is just people blowing something up that's not even really accurate so there was this tweet and a bunch of uh, progressives were retweeting it i actually retweeted it with my own comment and it actually got a lot of traction because um jimmy Dore uh, saw it and liked it so that meant that all of his followers saw it and then they subsequently liked it and were retweet so it just like blew up because he happened to see it and hit the hit that heart button um and so the thing that i retweeted was this from citizen uprising pete Buttigieg is officially over he just blamed trump and bernie voters for the problems we currently face now when i retweeted this i didn't watch the clip that's attached um i'll play the clip i think what he says is actually not that outrageous um if what he had said was if he was blaming trump and bernie voters for the problems that we have today that would be bullshit and let me read the thing because, you know, it got some traction. So why not put it in the podcast? I got to blow myself up a little bit, huh? Blow myself because somebody with a real platform uh, help help blow me up. <laughs> uh, here's here's what super woke host of this podcast, John Shrek, said. For the record, it's center-right shills like Obama, Pelosi, and Schumer who fake left, then legislate like Republicans that gave us the failed system that produced Trump. It's a progressive party that represents the people we're lacking, not moderates. Eat it, Pete. I'm so fucking edgy. To be fully fair, here's what Pete Buttigieg uh, actually said. See that the numbers are fine, like unemployment's low, like all that, like the set GDP is growing, and yet a lot of neighborhoods and families are living like like this recovery never even happened. They're stuck. It just kind of turns you against the system in general, and then you're more likely to want to vote to blow up the system, which could lead you to somebody like Bernie, and it could lead you to somebody like Trump. And that's how we got where we got. So what the citizen uprising guy, he really just latched onto that last part. And that's really bad faith. That's some like CNN, Fox News shit. He says, I think that's the reason we got here. I, what he what he means is not that Bernie voters and Trump voters are why we're in a bad situation overall. What he's saying is that a shitty system led to people to to, to vote for these candidates that are outside of the political establishment. I think that's a very uh, a very apropos statement. I think he's uh, he's on point there. So um, so call myself out there a little bit, you know, retweeting based on some fucking random dude because other people that I like retweeted it without actually looking at the clip. So when you look into it, you see he didn't actually say what this guy and a lot of other lefty commentators are saying. So. Look into shit. Don't read headlines and base your opinions on that. A lot of people do that. I do it. I did it here. I probably I've done it since then, I'm sure. Um, but like look into shit. We all need to be doing that. If you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna spout off your political bullshit like me, like like an asshole like me, at least be well informed. Because we're we are all making this shit even worse. Because I have a lot of problems with Pete Buttigieg, obviously, because I saw this and I'm like, fuck that guy. I already don't like him. I heard something that sounds like something that I would assume he would say, so he said it, and actually he didn't say it. Unless he did say something more detailed than that, I don't think so. I don't know why he would only share this one part if there was more uh, damning evidence. So Citizen Uprising, come on, dude. 
So a couple weeks ago, Elizabeth Warren came out with a plan to cancel student loan debt, which was awesome. <laughs> and here's, uh, he here's the tweet when she announced on April 22nd. Student loan debt is crushing millions of families. That's why I'm calling for something truly transformational. Universal free college and the cancellation of debt for more than 95% of Americans with student loan debt. Read all about it here. And this is a article, a post by Elizabeth Warren. Uh, I think she talked about this at the CNN debate the next day. I should probably just plug audio in there. Growing up, my dream was to be a public school teacher, but that meant college. And I got my chance at the University of Houston that cost $50 a semester. For a price that I could pay for on a part-time waitressing job, I got the chance to be a special needs teacher, to be a college professor, a United States Senator, and now a candidate for President of the United States. Today, it's virtually impossible for a young person to find a high quality education at an affordable price. We're crushing an entire generation with student loan debt, and the consequences are everywhere. Young people can't buy homes. They can't start businesses. No country builds a future by crushing the dreams and hopes of its young people. That's why I'm calling for universal free college and the cancellation of student loan debt of up to $50,000 for 42 million Americans. My plan will wipe out student loan debt entirely for about 75% of those with debt. It will help close the racial wealth gap and it will provide an enormous economic boost to America's middle class. The cost of my universal college and debt cancellation plan can be covered entirely by my ultra millionaires wealth tax. That's a 2% tax on the richest 75,000 fortunes in this country, those with more than $50 million in assets. Just 2% and we can do this. This is the kind of big structural change that expands opportunity to everyone. As states have invested less per student at community colleges and public four-year colleges, the schools themselves have raised tuition and fees to make up the gap. And rather than stepping in to hold states accountable or to pick up more of the tab and keep costs reasonable, the federal government went with a third option, pushing families that can't afford to pay the outrageous costs of higher education towards taking out loans. And let me just back up really quick. Her tuition was $50 a semester. I don't know if I had very many textbooks that were as cheap as $50 when I went to college and I graduated about eight years ago. The result is a huge student loan debt burden that's crushing millions of families and acting as an anchor on our economy. It's reducing home ownership rates. It's leading fewer people to start businesses. It's forcing students to drop out of school before getting a degree. It's a problem for all of us. We got into this crisis because state governments and the federal government decided that instead of treating higher education like our public school system, free and accessible to all Americans, they'd rather cut taxes for billionaires and giant corporations and offload the cost of higher education onto students and their families. The student debt crisis is the direct result of this failed experiment. I'm a member of this failed experiment. I still, I owe Wells Fargo something like $87,000. I owe American Education Services, which I think is private too. I forget because I went to, a, I went to an out-of-state state school, West Virginia University, I'm a freshman year, and then I went to private school, Xavier University. Uh, after that, uh, don't start lecturing me. I'm still pissed at myself. I should have gone to community college or not gone to college at all. It's a waste of money for most people. It's a waste of time for most people. I had a lot of fun, met some great friends, but it wasn't worth $130,000 of debt. 
So let's get into what uh, Elizabeth Warren's plan is. This is why I'm calling for something truly transforma transformational, the cancellation of up to $50,000 in student debt for 42 million Americans. Um, I would still... <laughs> I would still have as much debt as a lot of my friends who complain about how much debt they have uh, if I got 50,000 of it canceled. Will I be will I be uh will I be eligible for this cancellation? I don't know. They're all private loans. I don't know what her actual plan is. So let's see. My plan for broad student debt cancellation will cancel debt for more than 95% of the nearly 45 million Americans with student loan debt. It will wipe out student loan debt entirely for more than 75% of the Americans with that debt. It will substantially increase wealth for Black and Latinx families and reduce both the Black-White and Latinx-White wealth gaps. And it will provide an enormous middle-class stimulus that will boost economic growth, increase home purchases, and fuel a new wave of small business formation. Once we've cleared out the debt that's holding down an entire generation of Americans, which I'm definitely held down by this debt. I've stayed at this uh, job for longer than I probably would have for fear that I will not find anything better. Um, uh, fear that I'm not going to have health care for a while. Uh, I've stayed in Cincinnati because uh, I'm afraid of what's going to happen if I stop making these student loan payments. I'm, I'm spending almost $1,000 a month on student loan payments. And I know it's my fault. I'll pass the blame a little bit. I was not well educated on what it meant to take out that much money for a fucking English degree. Well, the poli-sci minor. That's how you know that this podcast is legit. I got a poli-sci minor, bitch. Fuck y'all. <laughs> Anyways, uh, once we cleared out the debt that's holding down an entire generation of Americans, we must ensure that we never have another student debt crisis again. Hell yeah, Liz. We can do that by recognizing that public college education is like a public K-12 through education, a basic public good that should be available to everyone with free tuition, zero debt at graduation. My plan for universal college will give every American the opportunity to attend a two- or four-year public college without paying a dime in tuition fees, make free college truly universal, not just in theory, but in practice, by making higher education of all kinds more inclusive and available to every single American, especially low in lower-income Black and Latinx students, without the need to take on debt to cover costs. Um... Oh, okay. So some people say we can't afford this plan. Republicans are very concerned about what we can afford when it's not war, when it's not a bailout for the billionaires. But let's let's find out how we're going to pay for it. Some people can say we can't afford it. That's nonsense. The entire cost of my broad debt cancellation plan and universal free college is more than covered by my ultra millionaire tax. A 2% annual tax on the 75,000 families with $50 million or more in wealth. For decades, we've allowed the wealthy to pay less while burying tens of millions of working Americans in educational debt. It's time to make different choices. A real solution to the student debt crisis. Broad debt cancellation. All right, let's see if I if I uh, will get this. The enormous student debt burden weighing down our economy isn't the result of laziness or irresponsibility. Hell yeah, pass the buck. I'm not irresponsible. <laughs> it's the result of a government that has consistently put the interest of the wealthy and well-connected over the interest of working families. And I think that I would, uh, I, I think I tend to agree with that because now I don't have to take responsibility. No, um, because, you know, I didn't sign on these loans by myself. My parents had to sign on to it and they... If they were well educated on how student loans work, if they truly understood, they wouldn't have let me take it out. So that 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 lies on our culture, on our government, on the way that college is pushed down our throats. So th this this is an overarching problem. This is not simply irresponsibility, but it's lack of understanding and intentional lack of understanding because they don't want 
it, they don't want us to be well educated on this. They want you to take out loans that you can't afford because it means big bucks for them. They, they don't care what the repercussions are in your life. They just know that they get theirs. So let me start this part over again. The enormous student debt weighing down our economy isn't the result of laziness or irresponsibility. It's the result of a government that has consistently put the interests of the wealthy and well-connected over the interests of working families. Bravo, Liz Warren. Policymakers stood by as state after state pulled back on investments in public higher education and sent tuition soaring. They stood by as for-profit colleges exploded, luring in students with false promises and loading them up with debt as their executives and investors raked in billions in taxpayer dollars. They stood by as employers demanded higher credentials while offloading the cost of getting those credentials on to workers. And they stood by as corporations made huge profits off the new skills graduates gained through higher education while giving workers almost nothing in the way of wage increases. Increases policymakers falsely promised would make graduates' debt worth it. That was told to me in college, my uh, guidance counselor or whatever the hell he was, which this is a guy that was uh, stoked when I got into West Virginia University because uh, he's like, man, that's a hard school to get into. I looked it up. 98% of people who <laughs> apply to WVU get in. Not hard to get into that school. Uh, so what an, I, that, that should have been suspect from the start. But, you know, I'm, I'm 18 years old. I'm excited. I got into a, a cool school in a cool in a new city, in a new state, never been before. This, this adult is telling me that it's a big deal that I got in, so it must be a big deal. Um, but this is the same guy who said, you know, college is expensive, but, you know, you get a higher paying job when you graduate. And um, questionable <laughs> for a lot of people. I've been lucky. I didn't have a, a great paying job out of, out of college. It now is a pretty okay paying job, but uh, that was pure luck. There's a lot of people who were in my class, some of my roommates, they struggled for years. Uh out of college, just, you know, trying to make ends meet. And uh, it's fucked up. And I thank the Lord, aka I thank my father, who set me up with a job that I still have today. He didn't set me up. He just got me the interview. And here I am. All right. So here's a few more details of the plan. It's time for bold action to actually fix the debt crisis. Here's what my new plan would do. It cancels $50,000 in student loan debt for every person with household income under $100,000. That's me. Fuck yeah. It, imp it provides substantial debt cancellation for every person with household income between $100,000 and $250,000. And you know what? I only care about the one with a household income under $100,000 because that's the one that affects the most people, a.k.a. me. Uh, no, that's it, that's the most people. Most people make less than $50,000 a year. And a lot of those people probably have student loan debt. Um it offers no debt cancellation to people with household income above $250,000, the top 5%. For most Americans, cancellation will take place automatically using data already available to the federal government about income and outstanding student loan debt. Private student loan debt is also eligible for cancellation, and the federal government will work with borrowers and the holders of this debt to provide relief. Canceled debt will not be taxed as income. Oh, baby, that's that's great. So when I met Dennis Kucinich last year... Um, I only got to talk to him for a few minutes, but what he said to me really resonated because I, I, ta I talked to him about the debt that I have, and um, he he had a plan for for canceling everybody in Ohio's student loan debt. Um, one one thing he suggested was um, that the that the Ohio government would would buy would buy out the loans, and that you would do you know community service of X amount, and that's what kind of paid off your loan debt, which I, I think that's a cool idea too. Um, but I'm gonna be honest, I, I like I like Elizabeth Warren's idea a little bit better. So 
Um, really love this from Elizabeth Warren. She's not my number one choice, obviously. I'm all in for Bernie, but uh, th- this is something that I would love to see everybody on the left uh, jump on board with. And this is why I would love to see, instead of 95 candidates vying for president, um, a progressive wing of these candidates, Tulsi, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Mike Gravel. Uh, I would like to see them form a coalition and uh, and run with a platform that they all agree on, because that would be badass, and I think it would be a lot better than uh, squabbling over who's better than fucking Joe Biden. So a lot of people were talking about that Elizabeth Warren uh, debt cancellation thing. Um, I'm just scrolling through my uh, my Twitter page again. Ben Shapiro retweeted Elizabeth Warren's an announcement about canceling student debt, and he says, do mortgages and credit card debt while we're preparing to screw lenders. Uh, yeah, good idea, Ben. Fuck the lenders. Um, and then th- this was one other, this was another thing that blew up. It's from the Washington Examiner, so it's not credible. It, that's a fake news website, literally. Um, but, I mean, this guy is verified and he's got a lot of followers, so it's worthwhile to uh, shout it down. Uh, this guy, Philip Klein. He wrote, he wrote an article. Um, I'm just going to read the tweets because I don't feel like reading the fucking article. Philip Klein, new post. Elizabeth Warren's plan to cancel student loan debt would be a slap in the face to all those who struggled to pay off student loans. Warren's desperate pander is understandable. Millennials no longer benefit from free college and have a ton of student loans. However, canceling debt is tremendously unfair to those who paid theirs off. Jesus Christ, dude. Are you are you kidding? People responded this exact same way when I was texting for Dennis Kucinich's plan to cancel student debt. If your response to policies that will help millions of people is, but I struggled unnecessarily, so everyone needs to, perhaps this whole society thing isn't for you. Um, I just wanted to read that because it's more concise than whatever bullshit I would have rambled on, but it wouldn't be fair to the people who were a f- who who had to pay off their student loans. We shouldn't make marijuana legal because it wouldn't be fair to all the people who went to jail for selling marijuana. Yeah, you're a fucking moron. And then uh, Representative Elon Omar uh, re- retweet or she shared an article about this, and she says, "Yes, it's time we started treating student debt like the national crisis that it is. Sixty nine percent of college students now owe over one point five trillion dollars. That is breathtaking. That's why I support debt and tuition-free college and will be introducing a bill to cancel all student debt. Hell yeah, Ilhan. Here's another bullshit tweet from some right-winger, Matt Walsh, whoever the hell this guy is. I don't want to hear from people with student loans who coincidentally think loan forgiveness is a wonderful plan. Their opinion is basically meaningless because it lacks any semblance of objectivity. The people who won't benefit are the ones whose perspective matters. Oh my god, dude. Oh my god. So I retweeted that. I said, I don't want to hear from rich capitalists who coincidentally think socialism is a terrible idea. Their opinion is basically meaningless because it lacks any semblance of objectivity. I got nothing more to say about that. Uh, Here's some bullshit from a uh, a lefty account. The Women's March, which fizzled out, is uh, an understatement when it comes to the Women's March. Tulsi Gabbard didn't mention women of color once while answering a question about why women of color should vote for her. Uh, Dot, dot, dot. As if that's a bad thing. <laughs> uh, Tulsi Gabbard is the first Samoan American and the first Hindu woman in Congress. And this is the treatment that she gets from the Women's March. Is it any wonder that this movement peaked at the Trump is bad, we are mad parade in 2016? And I was there. I felt the love. And, uh, you know, whatever. A 
couple weeks ago, CNN did this marathon of town halls for Democratic presidential candidates. It was longer than WrestleMania almost. I mean, it was five hours long, five candidates. Not going to lie, watched the whole thing. I was doing stuff and listening to it in the background for a good amount of it, but uh, I was in front of the TV for almost all of it, and it was mind-numbing. Um, that might have been why I just stopped. I was just like, you know what? I need to process this, and then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to get back to it. So there there was a noticeable difference between the tone of the questions between uh, four of the candidates and one of the candidates. The questions were pretty whatever for Amy Klobuchar, for Kamala Harris, for Pete Buttigieg, for Elizabeth Warren. Uh, but for Bernie Sanders, almost every single question was framed in an adversarial way. CNN pulling their bullshit yet again, um, having an even more an even more clear agenda than Fox News did the week before. The audience was clearly much more on Bernie's side at the Fox News town hall in the Rust Belt in a working class community, as opposed to here, Manchester, New Hampshire, in uh, a room full of mostly Harvard students. So what does that tell you? A bunch of fucking rich kids. And they're 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 doing the bidding of uh, CNN and their their corporate overlords. But so, but whatever. So I'm gonna play a few clips from uh, from Bernie's town hall. I don't really care about the other ones, if I'm being honest. Uh, worth noting that while they were cut, while Bernie was on TV live on CNN, uh, the GOP, the official GOP Twitter account, tweeted this out: FYI. Sanders is running his 2020 campaign on a promise to move the United States to a Medicare for all system, which would result in a radical government takeover of the healthcare system and eliminate nearly 180 million private health insurance plans. Uh, hell fucking yeah, he is. Thank you, GOP. That's what he wants to do. He wants to get rid of health insurance because it's a useless fucking system. It's a goddamn middleman, and it's designed to line the pockets of the shareholders, not provide quality care to people who need it. And to people who are putting a significant amount of their income every single month into it, only to be given shitty care or be denied care um, and still go bankrupt, even though they're paying into this shit every single month. So if you'll remember at the Foxtown Hall, somebody just asked him to explain why socialism or explain what socialism is and that's how they were able to frame the question on fox news here's how they framed it on cnn uh hi senator sanders so my father's family left soviet russia in 1979 fleeing from some of the very same socialist policies that you seem eager to implement in this country so my question is how do you rectify your notion of democratic socialism with the failures of socialism in nearly every country that has tried it just want to say before Bernie responds that as she's asking the question, as she says, the very same policies that they fled in uh, in Soviet Russia, he like gives her this squinty side eye like, uh, come on, you're bullshitting me, right? Let All right, here we go. I'm going to have to own this 19-year-old on live TV or however old she is. I don't fucking know. Here we go. Is it your assumption that I supported or believe in authoritarian communism that existed in the Soviet Union. I don't, I never have, and I opposed it. I believe in a vigorous democracy, but you have asked me the question about democratic socialism, fair question, and let me answer it. What do I mean when I talk about democratic socialism? It certainly is not the authoritarian communism that existed in the Soviet Union and in other communist countries. This is what it means. It means that we cherish, among other things, our Bill of Rights. And Franklin Delano Roosevelt made this point in a State of the Union address that never got a whole lot of attention. This is what he said toward the end of World War II. He said, you know, 
We got a great constitution. Bill of Rights protects your freedom of religion, freedom of assembly, freedom of speech, and all that stuff, great. But you know what it doesn't protect? It doesn't protect and guarantee you economic rights. So Samantha, let me be very honest with you. I believe that in a democratic, civilized society, healthcare is a human right. Government should make that happen. I, I believe that every young person in this country, regardless of his or her income, has the right to get all of the education they need. That's why I have fought hard with some success to move toward making public colleges and universities tuition free and very substantially reduce student debt. Are those the things that your parents fled Soviet Russia to escape? Those oppressive free college health care that doesn't put you in bankruptcy. Uh, it is this bad faith bullshit that is going to give me a goddamn aneurysm. And th- this really is the stem of the problem with this town hall is you heard how off the bat antagonistic that question was. It wasn't, why do you think socialism is good? Why do you think it's better than capitalism? Whatever. It's why are you trying to impose fascism on my parents who already escaped fascism? Dude, get the fuck out of here. So that's bad faith framing number one. Let's let's try round two. Senator Sanders, you have said that you believe that people with felony records should be allowed to vote while in prison. Does this mean that you would support enfranchising people like the Boston Marathon bomber, a convicted terrorist and murderer? Do you think that those convicted of sexual assault should have the opportunity to vote for politicians who could have a direct impact on women's rights? As it happens in my own state of Vermont, from the very first days of our state's history, what our constitution says is that everybody can vote. That is true. So people in jail can vote. Now, here is my view. If somebody commits a serious crime, sexual assault, murder, they're going to be punished. They may be in jail for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, their whole lives. That's what happens when you commit a serious crime. But I think the right to vote is inherent to our democracy. Yes, even for terrible people. Because once you start chipping away and you say, well, that guy committed a terrible crime, not going to let him vote. Or that person did that, not going to let that person vote. You're running down a slippery slope. So I believe that people who commit crimes, they pay the price. When they got out of jail, I believe they certainly should have the right to vote. But I do believe that even if they are in jail, they're paying their price to society, but that should not take away their inherent American right to participate in our democracy. Applause for the answer. My follow-up question goes to this being like you're writing an opposition ad against you by saying you think the Boston Marathon bomber should vote not after he pays his debt to society, but while he's in jail. You sure about that? Well, Chris, I think I have written many 30-second opposition ads throughout my life. (laughs) This will be just uh, another one. But I do believe, look, you know, this is what I believe. Do you believe in democracy? Do you believe that every single American 18 years of age or older who is an American citizen has the right to vote? Once you start chipping away at that, believe me, that's what our Republican governors all over this country are doing. They come up with all kinds of excuses why people of color, young people, poor people can't vote. And I will do everything I can to resist it. 
This is a democracy. We've got to expand that democracy. And I believe every single person does have the right to vote. Really powerful statement from Senator Sanders there, because, again, such a bad faith framing of the question. And I'm not I'm not going to pull the audio, but throughout the rest of the town hall after Bernie, they also asked Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg the same question. They said, do you think the Boston Marathon bomber should be allowed to vote? And they use that specifically because they're in New Hampshire. It's being framed that way to make it seem like a radical idea that everybody should have the right to vote. It's not a privilege. It is an inherent right that is often used, like he says here, by Republicans, by right-wingers to suppress the vote. Felons aren't allowed to vote. People in jail who are doing slave labor while they're in jail, who are fighting the wildfires in California, who are paying back their debt to society and being used to do tasks at a very low cost because they're prisoners and they're not really people. They're not allowed to vote and they're contributing to society a lot more than a lot of fucking people. So everybody should be allowed to vote regardless of what crimes they've committed. And this this chick also says, well, what about people who commit sexual assault and then they're allowed to uh, affect policies that, uh, that, that might negatively affect uh, victims of sexual assault. Look at the fucking president. Look at multiple of our previous presidents. Most people who commit sexual assault do not get caught, do not get prosecuted, are not punished. So they're already voting. So what are you even talking about? Um, so this, this so, so, uh, the questioners bring this question. It's not, it's not asked by in a town hall setting, but but asked by the hosts on CNN, they asked Kamala Harris, they asked Pete Buttigieg, and uh, Kamala came out with Bernie so that people in jail should be allowed to vote. She she had a couple more stipulations to it than Bernie did, but it, it was more progressive than I expected from the former fucking cop, from the, DE, from the DA who, uh, who, who wanted to lock up the parents of truant kids. Um, so, so bravo to Kamala for that. But Here's my problem with CNN with this. Chris Cuomo said it in that clip. He said, you're writing an op-ed editorial against your own campaign by saying that, by saying the Boston Marathon bomber should be allowed to vote. And he says, fuck it, I don't care. But uh, CNN doubled down on it. And a lot of these talking, I mean, that was the discussion for several days afterwards that Bernie wants to let the Boston Marathon bomber vote, specifically him and nobody else completely stripping the context of the question, uh, which was the goal of CNN by allowing the question to be asked that way. That was their goal. And guess who ran with it? I got this email from the Trump campaign earlier this week from DonaldJTrump.com. Subject line, should terrorists vote? This is unbelievable. John, just when you thought Democrats couldn't sink any lower than their crazy socialist agenda, They've come out with their most radical proposal yet. They want to allow convicted terrorists, murderers, and any other form of criminal to vote in our elections. If Democrats have their way, convicted killers like the Boston Marathon bomber will vote count just the same as John's from Ohio. Radical socialists like Bernie Sanders and Kamala Harris are determined to make sure that terrorists get the right to vote. First of all, Kamala Harris... Let's take it easy with the socialist commentary. But there you go, CNN. Your strategy worked. Trump, the guy who you pretend to oppose, but actually support more than any news network, probably. You don't blow him on air like Fox News does, but you certainly do his bidding for him. And you certainly love the ratings that you've gotten since he's taken office. And you helped more than any other news network 
to help get him voted to help get him elected by airing his empty podium for hours on end, giving him millions and billions. I forget the actual number, but it's many millions, potentially billions of dollars in free advertising covering him because he was a circus freak in 2015. And it is CNN's fault that we have Donald Trump as president. Is that is that an extremist comment? <laughs> I'm being somewhat facetious, but th- there are there are a few networks. There are few bigger supporters of Donald Trump than CNN, and that is unquestionable. They might cover him critically, but they do his bidding in backhanded bullshit like this. And then the next day, CNN runs a headline. Senator Sanders says the right to vote should be extended, quote, even for terrible people like the Boston Marathon bomber. So they got what they wanted. They nailed it. Trump's using it against him. They are using it against him. You know, congratulations to CNN for for this kind of bad faith framing of Sanders yet again in a way that Fox News wasn't even capable of. It almost feels like the network that gave Trump millions of dollars in free advertising in 2015 and 16 is angling to be his biggest supporter yet again. And also, let's let's assume that Bernie Sanders just outright said, hey, I think the Boston Marathon bomber should be allowed to vote. And I think, you know, terrorists should be voting. Let's say that he said that without context, the way that they're framing it. Uh, Every U.S. president and administration in maybe history is guilty of murdering literally millions of innocent people. And that's a body count that the Boston Marathon bomber could have only ever dreamed of. Should they be allowed to vote? Uh, I would argue, I guess, yes. If I'm going to stand by my morals, then yes, they should be allowed to vote too. So fuck, so fuck off with this bullshit. I think the Boston Marathon bomber is the only one who should be allowed to vote. Let's really get crazy with this socialist shit. Uh, just a little bit more. So here, here's Lindsey Graham. Good old Lindsey. Just when you thought it couldn't get worse, Bernie Sanders supports allowing rapists, murderers, and terrorists like the Boston Marathon bomber and Dylan Roof, the individual who massacred nine churchgoers in Charleston, to vote from prison. Oh, oh, you're suddenly concerned about Dylan Roof, you piece of shit. You've sat on your hands since Dylan Roof shot up that church. You've done nothing to combat white supremacy attacks. You've done nothing to get guns out of the hands of the likes of Dylan Roof, but now you're going to moralize over him. Go fuck yourself, Lindsey Graham. I, l- I look forward to hearing his explanation in South Carolina why Dylan Roof should be allowed to vote in the upcoming elections. Uh, I look forward to finding out how you're going to prevent another Dylan Roof from happening. Because a bunch have happened since then, and there's blood on your hands, Lindsey. So Bernie Sanders retweeted that Lindsey Graham tweet, and he says, South Carolina has a higher incarceration rate than any country on earth. African Americans are 27% of the state population, but 60% of the prison population. Our racist criminal justice system disenfranchises millions. This is quite simply voter suppression. Great job there again, Senator Sanders, because Lindsey Graham is handpicking the people in jail in South Carolina. Dylan Roof, one of the only whites in jail in South Carolina, it turns out. Um, and then uh, then, I, then I tweeted, I also retweeted Lindsey Graham. I said, just when you thought it couldn't get worse, the queen of fake outrage supports suppressing constitutional rights when it benefits his narrative. Not really worse, just par for the course. And that got zero likes. So go ahead and get on there and like me. I thrive on the likes. Listen, Another reason that I kind of stopped, you know, I took a little bit of a break from recording is because like eight people downloaded this, uh, the last episode within the first week. And I was like, do people hate me? I'm too extreme now. That's not what it should be about, baby. Be you. Just be you. Come on. Believe in yourself, John. You can do this.
Not only do I think the Boston Marathon bomber should be allowed to vote, I think he should have to run for president, or at the very least, moderate debate. It's part of the punishment. I mean, talk about voting for the lesser of two evils. Am I right, Democratic Party? I really like this tweet from a guy at Corbin Trent. Here's, pe- here's a list of people who are able to vote. The entire Sackler family. Those are the people who uh, I believe are uh, jacked up the price for insulin. Or they're, they're one of the pharma families. Uh, who else is allowed to vote? George Zimmerman. Darren Wilson, the former Lehman Brothers executives, Duncan Hunter. You know who's not allowed to vote? Six million Americans punished by a criminal justice system that targets poor and minority communities. Very good point there, Corbin. Uh, another good tweet. This is from Jad, from Chad, Black Privilege Vigorous. It was cool for like three weeks after every liberal watched 13th on Netflix and was like, prison labor is slavery. Then they found out their favorite Dems were in on it, and now they're like, what is slavery really? And this is a good thread. There's articles that it links to. I can't get into all of it, but I'm going to read the thread. This is from Nick Wing. Because so many people seem to be judging the idea of letting incarcerated folks vote based on the most extreme and unsympathetic examples, let's flip it on its head for a second. Do you think people convicted of felonies should be able to vote from prison? Even these inmates who rushed to help save this guard's life when he suffered a massive heart attack? Uh, How about these inmates who helped rescue a baby who was accidentally locked in a car? Uh, But even these inmates who saved three children when their canoe capsized? Like, really, though? You even think these inmates who fight wildfires in California for $1 an hour should be able to vote while incarcerated? Surely not these inmates who were forced to help with hurricane cleanup in Florida without compensation, though? Story from Miami New Times. Unpaid Florida prisoners being used to clean up after Hurricane Irma. Or these inmates who helped with cleanup efforts after a tornado tore through an Illinois town. Illinois prison inmates help with cleanup after Taylorsville tornado. Or these inmates who were honored by law enforcement after coming to the rescue of their roadside supervisor who collapsed while on duty. Inmates hailed as heroes for helping supervisor who fell ill collapsed. Or these tech-savvy inmates who created a data collection program that saved Oklahoma taxpayer millions of dollars all while still in prison. Okay, but how about these inmates who saved shelter dogs from being euthanized? I know what you're thinking. Wow, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to judge a policy that would affect millions of people based on cherry-picked examples designed to reinforce a particular narrative about who the policy would actually affect. I hear you. I really do. But also, how about these inmates who raise dogs for first responders and veterans in need? Should they be allowed to vote while incarcerated? Uh, so, hell yeah, Nick Wing. Inmates should be allowed to vote. Bar none. Everybody has the right to vote. If you live in America, if you're a citizen of the country that you live in, you have the right to vote, no matter what you've done. I want to talk about the uh, the newest, most exciting entrant into the Democratic field. I'm going to play his campaign ad. You're going to be able to hear it. You're not going to see it, but look it up. Here we go. This is Mike Gravel, 2020. But let's maybe bring up the topic of the day, which is the Green New Deal. How will we pay for it? Unknown. It's not realistic. Because there's no way to pay for it. It's immoral. The younger generation now tells me how tough things are. Give me a break. No, no. I have no empathy. I'm guided by the beauty of our weapons. Medicare for all is one of the possible paths. So I decided I was going to start prosecuting parents for truancy. This was a little controversial in San Francisco. <laughs> he did ask you yes or no. Would you support no. free college for all? I am not for free four-year college for all. No. 
so those were all clips of the Democratic contenders plus Howard Schultz. I don't know why we're if we're still talking about that guy, but he, he was in there too. That was Amy Klobuchar. That was Rachel uh, Rachel Feinstein. No, uh, fucking Diane Feinstein. Uh, I know she's not running, but. Uh, who else was it? Beto, Joe Biden, all these people who are so-called lefties, who are so-called socialists from the right wing, standing against all the policies that this country is begging for. And uh, then it cuts to Mike Gravel, who's like 85. He's old as fuck, shaking his head. And then he gets up and uh, here's a little bit more. Human beings are being killed killed as a direct result of policy decisions we as a body have made this approach of war on drugs has not succeeded we're supposed to be a democracy we've got 2.3 million people in prison we spend more as a nation on defense than all the rest of the world put together this whole nation should be a sanctuary for the world i'm ashamed as an american to be building a fence on our southern border that's not the america that i fought for our soldiers died in Vietnam in vain. You can now, John, go to Hanoi and get a Baskin Robbins ice cream cone. Why do they hate us so in so many places around the world? Because we kill so many people wantonly. Oh, Joe, I'll include you too. You have a certain arrogance. You want to tell the Iraqis how to run their country. And we can get off of gasoline in five years, and we can get off of carbon in 10 years. All we got to do is want to do it. Just play, get out. It's their country. They're asking us to leave, and we insist on staying there. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, lock, stock, and barrel, but they control our culture. It's time to make some waves for change. I'm Mike Gravel, and I'm running for president. Uh, I've watched that probably 10 times by now. I just got goosebumps again. Uh, I got a lump in my throat. Mike Gravel, goddamn. So the story, So all of those clips after I uh, gave my little bullshit there, those were all old clips of Mike Gravel, whether from the 70s, whether from the presidential debates in 2007 or 2008 when there's the whole field you got. Biden, Obama, and uh, Hillary Clinton standing next to each other, kind of laughing arrogantly as Mike Gravel rails against the military-industrial complex and rails against that piece of shit Joe Biden, who has always been pro-war, who is uh, still pro-war. Fuck Joe Biden. I'm, I'm going to go in on him uh, probably in a little bit, maybe on the next episode. But um, so Mike Gravel, he's, uh, he's, really, he's really old. He's not even really running for president. He's saying that he's running because the Democratic Party is going to try to keep him out of the debates if he doesn't commit to like re- doing a real campaign. But uh, his his real goal is to shift that Overton window to the left, get another strong anti-war voice on stage, and hold some of these pieces of shit accountable and uh, get some strong anti-war uh, policies in the conversation. Because it's still not being talked about. Not even Bernie has a s- strong enough anti-war policy. I really love what he did in regards to Yemen, but it can be shifted much further to the left. And it is one of, if not the biggest problem in this country, is that we waste such a large amount of our tax dollars on illegal wars that kill and destroy the lives of millions upon millions of people. And if you question that, you're considered anti-American. You say, you know, you're against the troops. Uh, Even Tulsi Gabbard, who was a troop. She fought in Iraq. So 
how this came about is he he last ran he he was the uh, he was the representative from Alaska for a long time. He ran for president in 2008, and I think he's more or less kind of uh, not not been involved since then. He's an older guy, um, but a group of like socialist high schoolers f- learned about him, and they reached out and they said, "Hey, we really want you to vote. Um, he's we really want you to run." Uh, they convinced him to run uh, the way that he ran in 2008, which is what I just said. He's just trying to shift the conversation left. He knows that this country and the establishment is not going to allow him to ever win a primary, but. He wants to uh, get get the get the word out there and let people know that they're not fucking crazy for believing the things that they believe, even though it's not reflected by their government, by their media. So his Twitter account being run by high school kids. If the Parkland high school kids can uh, make as much noise and as much traction as they did, really excited to see what the Gravel Gang team <laughs> is going to do to help uh, Mike Ravel get his voice out there. I don't know how many donations he has he's trying to do the same thing Tulsi Gabbard's trying to do you got to get 65,000 I know they're trying to up the stakes now because so many people have entered and they want it they want to keep these anti-war anti-establishment voices out and they're going to do their damnedest but you know what I donated five dollars to Mike Ravel if you can please do donate a dollar that's this tweet says uh join the gravel inch to push American politics to the left and speak truth to power send Mike one dollar to get him on the debate stage he's going to drop out before the elections even happen He's he's uh, I've heard a few different interviews with him. He loves Bernie. He loves Tulsi. He loves Elizabeth Warren. So if you love any of those candidates and you want to see their foreign policy pushed further to the left, send a dollar to Mike Gravel. It's uh, I think it's worth it. I understand some people think that we're diluting the field. I don't, especially when it's somebody like Mike Gravel who said he's going to drop out. He's literally going to do it, even if he starts to say, no, we're really running. It's only because the Democratic establishment will keep him out if he doesn't act like this is a legitimate run. And, you know, I also uh, I have a certain affinity. I have a certain, uh, you know, I was radicalized in high school by George Carlin himself um, and by uh, and by my religion, my religious, uh, my my senior year religion teacher, who was my good friend's uh, grandmother. Um, And it was like a social justice class. And it, it really it pulled me left very much so, you know, I was somebody who uh, was raised Republican, believed Republican stuff just because that's what was taught to me. And that's what I heard on the on the TV and on the radio. Um, but then I was radicalized as a high schooler. So, you know, people uh, I, I've heard people kind of discounting the Parkland kids and discounting uh, Mike Ravel's Twitter team. And it's like, well, fuck off. If shit was good for them, they wouldn't have to be radicalized. And if old people didn't uh, fuck everything up, then they wouldn't have to be in this position. But they did, and they are. So suck it up. Better that they're politically involved than fucking complacent and uninformed and don't don't care at all about Paul. I think that's the worst kind of person. Someone who's like, I don't like Paul. I'm not interested in politics. Well, what a privilege for you. This was something very frustrating from Walid Shahid, who is one of the main guys with Justice Democrats. He, he said this. I'm no fan of Biden in this primary field. Progressives won't be holding back their criticism. Cool. Good. But if Biden ends up becoming the Democratic nominee, I'll be supporting and voting for him over Donald Trump in a heartbeat. No question. And that's true of almost everyone I know. Well, I don't think you've talked to a lot of progressives um, because uh, that's bullshit that that is more of this party unity the greatest threat to this country is donald trump and not the status quo not the not capitalism as a whole 
not this failed economic system, this failed political system that delivered us Donald Trump. That's not the problem. Donald Trump's the problem. Joe Biden has voted in favor of and come out in decided support for nearly every single one of the shit policies that have occurred over the past 20, 30, 40 years that directly led to the system that we have today, that directly led to Donald Trump taking the White House. So the idea that you are going to support a progressive, but if Biden wins, you are going to vote for him, you're full of shit. I will not, I will never vote for Joe Biden. I don't give a shit. I don't think Biden is even going to come. I don't, I think Joe Biden's going to drop out before the primaries happen because so much bad shit has already come out about Joe Biden and he's doubling down on a lot of it. He's taking the Trump strategy, which is to say, I'm not sorry. Go fuck yourself. He just said today that people need to move on from the from the Anita Hill thing, which as a reminder, Joe Biden played an active role in allowing Clarence Thomas to become Supreme Court justice, even though he sexually assaulted Anita Hill. And he played an active role in smearing Anita Hill in Congress, in the media. So Joe Biden is a piece of shit. He's not a liberal. He's not a progressive. He's a right winger posing as a pseudo leftist. I will never vote for Joe Biden. And I do not respect you as a progressive if you say, I'll, I'll vote for him if worse comes to worse. Fuck that. I will not vote before I will vote for Joe Biden. But I'm sure there will be a third party candidate that will be much preferable to Joe Biden. And to seed this ground so early in the primary, I mean, it's insane that we're even talking about any of this yet because the first, the first, the Iowa caucus isn't until what, February? And we've already been talking about it since last February. But Trump started his campaign <laughs> the day he was inaugurated. So I, I guess we didn't have another choice. I don't, I don't know. But all, all of these so-called progressives coming out and playing this party unity, you know, I don't like Joe Biden, but I'll vote for him if I have to. You're seeding ground too fucking early. What are you doing? You can just not say that because I know that the establishment and the, the, the pretend leftists are calling for that. They're saying, well, we got to make you got to make, you know, I know you guys like Bernie. But we need you to play. And Bernie's even pledging that he's going to vote for whoever the Democratic nominee is. And from my perspective, I, I th this is probably naive. My hope is that much like what Mike Ravel is doing, that he's saying that to appease the Democratic establishment. But the truth is that he's not going to do it. I hope that. I, I understand that is naive, but I cannot stomach this, this shit where we're going to accept somebody who is to the right of Hillary Clinton to represent the party of the people in 2020. Warren coming out almost immediately. Uh, somebody asked her a question. Okay, so th this was, I think, the day that Biden announced. This is from Alexandra Jaffe. I asked Elizabeth Warren, who clashed with Biden on the 2005 bankruptcy bill he backed, about whether Biden has been too cozy to Wall Street to be an effective regulator of the industry if elected president. She said, our disagreement is a matter of public record. At a time when the biggest financial institutions in this country were trying to put, put the squeeze on millions of hardworking families, there was nobody to stand up to them. I got in that fight because they just didn't have anyone. And Biden was on the side of the credit card companies. This was also on the day that Joe Biden announced, or the day after, or the day before, right around the time. Because he they, they were saying he's going to announce for like three weeks until he finally, like, oh, it's going to be this Wednesday. Now it's going to be Thursday. Now it's going to be Friday. Oh, you know what? Actually, it's happening next month. And the, I mean, Jesus. Anyways, 
Uh, breaking. Candidate Joe Biden has arrived at Comcast CEO David Cohen's house for his first official fundraiser as a 2020 presidential candidate. That tells you everything you need to know about who Joe Biden is. He says he's taking the no corporate PAC, PAC pledge, but he is all of his donors. The majority of his donors are wealthy ass motherfuckers. His first official fundraiser for the 2020 campaign is at the CEO of Comcast's house, the CEO of a company. It's one of the most hated companies in America. Joe Biden goes to that guy's house to get a little bit of money. Here's a story from CommonDreams.org. Hours after entering 2020 race, Biden to attend a big money fundraiser hosted by Comcast and Blue Cross executives. So Blue Cross, Blue Shield executives also at that fundraiser. You think he's going to help you afford health care? You think he's going to give you Medicare? I mean, he's already said he doesn't believe in Medicare for all, but you think he's even going to get you to have affordable health care? Literally, the people he asked first, the people whose money he wants first, is the leaders of two of the worst corporations in this country, two of the corporations that spend millions, if not billions of dollars working to change laws to fuck over its customers to make your life worse, to make your life more expensive, to make it so that you are more tied to that desk, to that register, to whatever your job is, and keep treading water or trying to stay above water while their executives, the people that Joe Biden is having face-to-face conversations with and asking for their money to make them rich as fuck while you continue to go bankrupt because you can't afford to go to the doctor. Fuck Joe Biden. Tulsi Gabbard posted this video, and I guess she pulled it down pretty quickly because I guess some uh, Democratic operatives, people part of the political establishment of the Democratic Party, they weren't too happy with it. Um, I don't think she's made any comments about it since, but this might be... My after besides that Mike Ravel uh, campaign ad, I think this might be one of my favorite videos so far from the 2020 campaign. The most attacks I get are not from Republicans. They're from Democrats. They're from people in the mainstream media. They are from people in the foreign policy establishment that you're talking about. People who represent the interests of the military industrial complex. But you know what? You know what? The answer to how we overcome this, it's us. It's we the people. The stronger they come, the stronger we respond. And you know what? We don't respond. We don't respond to their dirty tactics or their hate with more hate. We respond with strength and love and our message of peace and humanity. We cannot lose faith in the power that we hold within our own hands, our own feet, our own voices in our hearts. It is only when we reclaim our own voices and our own power in dictating the change in this country that we need to make that we can be successful. People will get into a lot of conversations about uh, political tactics and how do we win this race and who's gonna beat Donald Trump? 
bluntly, and I might get in trouble for saying this, what does it matter if we beat Donald Trump if we end up with someone who will perpetuate the very same crony capitalist policies, corporate policies, and waging more of these costly wars? This is why I'm running for president. This is not a joke. This is not for fun. This is not about me. It's about all of us. It's about our future, making sure that we have one. I ask for all of your support. I ask you to stand shoulder to shoulder with me in this movement for peace abroad, peace at home, so that we can fight for that path towards a bright future with opportunity and justice. What does it matter if we defeat Donald Trump, if we replace him with the kind of crony capitalism that got us in this position? I said it before, I'll say it again. Fuck Joe Biden. Anybody who considers them a progressive or even a liberal should not even for a moment consider voting for one of the main contributors to the way we got to a Trump presidency. Joe Biden is one of the reasons we have Donald Trump. I love Tulsi Gabbard. The fact that she thinks that that should get her in trouble is very telling to what the Democratic Party stands for and why she and Bernie and Elizabeth Warren should say, fuck the party, split off, start our own party. Uh, A lot of people will follow you because the Democratic Party does nothing but stand in the way of progress. The purpose of the Democratic Party is to make it look like there's a resistance to the right wing takeover of this country and they've been seeding ground little by little, bit by bit, since Bill Clinton became president. So I, I I, do not accept that you have to support whatever candidate comes out of this primary process, because I don't believe in this goddamn primary process. I think that Bernie shouldn't even be participating in it. My hope, and again, naively hope, is that he's running in the party right now. He's going to show up at all these debates and... Whenever it seems to be the right time to make that pivot, he's going to drop out and he's going to start an independent insurgent campaign. You know, he just had a big campaign rally last Saturday, about 10 days ago, and they created their own app. They're going they're going outside of like the DNC's system. There was a whole thing uh, a few like back in 2016 where they were trying to deny him access to contacts um, because they only wanted Hillary Clinton to have those contacts. Uh, so he's he's building he's building his own uh, he's building his own system. He's got an app where you can get people uh, registered as supporters, and he's got this whole list. It's his. He fully owns it. Um, I like to think that's step number one toward. He's already got the our revolution list, so I don't I don't know what point what purpose this serves, but. And maybe it it argues against my hope here, but it's my hope that that's step one toward starting an independent campaign. Um, I can continue to hope that I can continue to push for that. Whether or not that's going to happen doesn't I don't know how likely it is. Probably not very likely. If he was going to do it, he would have done it by now. But who knows? Uh, Get on that debate stage. Make people like Joe Biden look like the fucking suckers that they are. And then say, by the way, I'm out. Fuck the Democratic Party. I'm running and I'm going to fucking win. Some tweets from Donald Trump. Here he is. April 27th. The Democratic National Committee, sometimes referred to as the DNC, is again working its magic in its quest to destroy crazy Bernie Sanders. For the more traditional but not very bright, sleepy Joe Biden. (laughs) Here we go again, Bernie. But this time, please show a little more anger and indignation when you get screwed. Couldn't agree with you more there, Donald. Couldn't fucking agree more. 
So the corporate establishment's favorite mouse pe- mouse piece, favorite mouthpiece, Rachel Maddow is doing anti-Bernie Sanders propaganda yet again. There is only one candidate among all of the declared Democrats who thus far has raised more money from female donors than from male donors. Kirsten Gillibrand is the only one. Uh, her donors are 48% male, 52% female. Other than that, every other candidate in the race skews even slightly, but skews more male in terms of the donations that they have received thus far. I mean, most voters are women. Most Democratic voters are women. Most Democratic donors are women, right? And so this is interesting. In a race when you've got a half dozen top-tier Democratic female candidates who are running, almost all but one of the candidates are raising more money from men so far than they are raising from women. And the, the other end of the spectrum, if you, Kirsten Gillibrand's doing the best in terms of targeting female donors, but look at the other end of the spectrum. Just strikes me as unsustainable, right? I mean, right now, both Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg, they're doing great in terms of donations overall and buzz and polls and press. Like, they're doing great. But look at them. Both of them are two to one in the gender balance of their fundraising. Both of them are raising twice as much money from male donors as they are from female donors. 66 and 67% of your donations are from dudes? Dude. Uh, Bernie Sanders had a gender split in his fundraising when he ran in 2016 as well. Um, that, that split that you're seeing so for him thus far for his first quarter 26, uh, for his first quarter for 2020 is worse than the gender split that he had in 2016. Here's Sean King. More women have donated to the Bernie Sanders campaign than any other campaign. But Maddow, looking only at donations from women above the $200 threshold, what's missing there? They're only looking at the numbers of donations from women who donated more than $200. Bernie Sanders, who has the most individual donations of any candidate, his average donation number, $27, well below $200. Uh, So this is Sean King. But Maddow, looking only at donations from women above the $200 threshold, which are less than 2% of Bernie's donors, said the lack of women above that threshold means Bernie has a problem with women. So donations from women, donations of over $200 from women, only makes up 2% of Bernie's overall donations. Do not trust Rachel Maddow to tell you the fucking truth, because she is a mouthpiece for the corporate establishment. And the corporate media, just last week, there were, there were I don't know if it was just last week, but... The corporate media is uh, they're they're doing their damnedest to undercut Bernie Sanders. This is a this is a tweet from uh, Jason Fest. I don't know who he is, but he he, he provided this uh, concise little breakdown. So far, MSNBC gave an additional three points to Biden among non-white voters in a Monmouth poll to leapfrog over Sanders. Uh, that was a whole thing where you look at the poll that they're specifically citing. And they just reported the wrong numbers and they made it seem like Biden had this lead over Sanders to. So, so who, who are they? Who are they in the tank for? Because they've never accidentally fudged the numbers in the opposite direction. They've never accidentally given Bernie Sanders three more points than he actually got in the poll that you're citing. Uh, so MSNBC did that. Rachel Maddow reported Sanders with low percentage of women donors by only including donations above $200. And CNN poll with Biden winning doesn't include voters under 50. So that's something else that CNN did last week was they they, they put out this poll making it look like Biden absolutely decimated Sanders, like something like 70% in favor of Biden, like super low percent in favor of Sanders. Uh, but it was only about people 
polled people polled were only 50 years of age or older where uh most of bernie's support is is in the millennials in the gen x in the gen y uh young people oh and then then the top tweet right under that manufacturing consent perfect perfection yes that's exactly what they're doing they're manufacturing consent they're making it seem like this momentum that bernie seems to have isn't real and you should trust the corporate media to tell you that the guy who's looking to break up those corporations isn't actually that popular so you should stop paying attention to him pay no attention to the corporation behind the mouthpiece the teens over at microvell's twitter coming out hard just a couple days ago microvell Joe Biden is the candidate for people who have such a low opinion of the American people that the only person they'd pick over an authoritarian moron is a slightly older, slightly nicer authoritarian moron. That's the episode. Hope you enjoyed it. When I saw the Oscar Mayer... When I saw... I still can't say it. I'm not in the car anymore, but I still can't say it. The Oscar Mayer Wienermobile, I got sidetracked. I was talking about what a beautiful experience it is going to watch marathons. I uh, I got caught up in the emotions a few times throughout the day, both for my partner and for uh, other people. So much so, so much love and support uh, of people for uh, their friends, their family who are out there running. So uh, you get a chance to get out, get out and watch a marathon. It's, uh, it's quite an experience. Like I said, I'm going to be in Columbus next weekend, May 16th through the 19th. I'm doing set Thursday, May 16th at Mikey's Late Night Slice, 9.30 p.m. May 17th, Friday, Franklinton Playhouse at 9.30 and midnight. May 18th, Franklinton Playhouse, 7.30 p.m. And May 19th at Cafe Kerouac at 2.30 p.m. That's another brunch show. This one is uh, it's called Bottomless. You get bottomless mimosas and bottomless comedians. You don't wear pants. Do you wear underwear? I don't know. We'll see. Columbus is a wild place. So we'll, we'll see what happens. 2.30 p.m. Sunday. Next Sunday. <clears throat> Uh, please subscribe. Please share this episode if you enjoyed it. If you didn't enjoy it, I don't give a shit. If you have a dog, pet him. If you have a cat, stare at him from across the room. That's what they like. Take care of one another. Namaste. Namaste.